I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite show about cricket. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host for this evening's Clowning Around. And with me in the studio tonight is the clown prince of punditry. It's Tony Kerr. Hmm, not bad. <laughs> Good start. Seven or eight hours that took me of just workshopping that, just putting it clown. to focus groups, yeah, seeing what they what they had to say. But you, you look unimpressed. <sighs> Yeah. How's it going this week, Tane? Yeah, it's going very well. It's late, isn't it? It's quite late. It's late. I'm clock watching already. It's coming up for nine o'clock in the evening, which is way past pre- bedtime. Pretty late because it's uh, it's the first sort of genuinely warm evening of the year outside. So we thought, let's not spend it in. You know, let's not spend the the majority of it in this windowless radio studio. Uh, so yeah, it could be a bit of a late night vibe to this week's show. Yeah, real late. We'll kind of introduce music, but we need the bands, I think, as well. Oh, I've just come from an energetic game of touch, touch rugby. You have indeed just come from touch rugby. I was, I was watching you down there playing, playing for the team with a whole load of other people. I don't, I don't play touch rugby. London correspondent Gordon McRae would be turning in his grave if he knew that you were playing touch rugby. Having a ball as well. It's good fun. It's all right. It's harmless. <laughs> you know, who's it hurting? You mentioned hurting. I managed to pick up a bit of a foot injury at the weekend, Tony. I don't know if you're aware of this. I figured it was at least six months since I was last on crutches. I wasn't getting the attention that I felt that I deserved, so uh, went out of my way to uh, to injure my much, foot. Yeah, you kind of reminded me of like a young up and coming. Well, you should be really a young up and coming Australian fastballer. <laughs> the amount of times you're getting injured at the moment. Am I right? That's uh, all right. You've bowled, you've bowled four overs this summer. <laughs> five, five, five. So Give me five some overs, <laughs> and you've already got a sort of stress fracture. <laughs> the foot it's not a stress fracture i think it's just it's a uh, it's ligament damage but i mean i was telling anyone who would listen that i'd broken my foot the <laughs> other day and now i'm having to sort of backtrack on that slightly but you know ligament damage it's all the rage at the moment i i literally do own my own crutches you know these days so it's like, i just came home right let's get them out of the cupboard you've done you did the numbers on that didn't you and thought more more economical to just to, to buy my own pair it's a solid investment yeah you've got a lot of use out of that over the years <laughs> you've been helping me out you gave me a lift to work yeah, yesterday hey, morning very generous it was very out of character but <laughs> I, just, I thought i'd let the listeners know that you know you're not a total monster you did help me out in that way i think it's uh, what you fail to realize is that i spend most of my time helping people more needy than you and you know at that point you became your required help and i was i was able to offer that are you referring to the world cricket show listeners as being all more needy than me is that no, what you mean when you say you're helping them out people. helping them get the cricket knowledge that they need each week precisely that well perhaps uh, perhaps we should mention what's coming up on the show today on that note there's been a test match at lords this week i don't know if you noticed that uh, between england and 
and the West Indies. Uh, so we'll be getting our teeth into that. There'll be more IPL chat as well, more side notes. And we will also be announcing the results of our competition. Can you imagine the thrill? I'm pretty excited. One thing that we can, uh, you know, that we can bring to the listeners is the uh, the information that uh, that the t-shirts have been ordered. The World Creek Show t-shirts are they're being they're being made up as we speak. Now I did have a nightmare about the t-shirts last night. I had an actual nightmare in which uh, we'd posted news of the t-shirts to Facebook. And the only bit I can remember is that I read one of the comments that just read bland. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, no, they're not they're not bland. Did they're you wake bland. up? Sweet Sweating. Yeah, it was, it was quite. It was quite tense. <laughs> no! tense <moment. laughs> yeah. Bland. No, that's not. That's not what we're going for. <laughs> bland. Well, but everyone needs a few bland t-shirts in their wardrobe. They can't all be vibrant. The listeners are probably struggling to believe that the, the t-shirts have been ordered. I mean, they uh, have yeah. been. You owe me a substantial sum of money currently, Dane. But we will be giving you details as to how you can get your hands on those t-shirts at the end of the and show. Assuming next week, and it? also next week, yeah, and probably for every week after Until that. Until they've sold. Yeah. England. The first test between England and the West Indies ended in a solid victory for the home side at Lords. But they were made to work hard at times by the tourists over the course of the game. Uh, I'll just uh, run through the scorecard uh, for you. I'll try and make this slightly more brief than uh, Ian Botham's review of the test that he does on Sky. Did you see that for this game? No, I didn't see it. Have you seen him in the past, though? Yeah, I, have, I know exactly what you mean. When it, It's him in the third man box. Goes on. He it? just describes what happened. Anderson and runs, in, runs in. Nick to slip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, cheers. Dragged on, three down. Like, like <laughs> so I'll try not to make it quite as long as that, because that goes I on normally, for about 15 yeah, minutes. I normally, yeah, whenever you do these reviews, I do tend to switch off myself. So. so England won the toss and inserted the West Indies uh, under overcast skies at Lords in London, which is in the UK. This isn't going to drag on, I promise. Um, and they, they bowled the tourists out for 243. Stuart Broad taking 7 for 72. Shivnarine Chandapal, the main resistance, 87 not out from 175 bulls. England went easily past that score, eventually all out for 398, with Andrew Strauss returning to form with 122. They would have been slightly disappointed um, with the way their innings ended, because at one point they were 194 for one, uh, and then again 244 for two, so they would have been thinking about 450, 500 maybe. Uh, but the West Indies did come back well, Kemar Roach and Shannon Gabriel, the debutant, both taking three wickets. Uh, the West Indies put up much more resistance in the second innings. They made 345 this time in 130 overs, um, with more runs for Chandapal, 91 he made, and Marlon Samuels scored 86. England really had to work hard for their wickets, but Broad got four of them, uh, and Graham Swan, three for 59. England were left with a target of 191, and they appeared to be in all sorts of trouble when they were 10 for two overnight going into day five. They were then 57 for four, but a very calm partnership between Alastair Cook, who made 79, and Ian Bell, 63 not out, got them almost the entire way there before Cook fell, and they ended up winning by five wickets. So, Tony, how would you describe the narrative of this test match? Was this a case of world's number one side exerting their superiority over, you know, spirited but limited opponents? Or was it plucky... It's multiple choice. <laughs> yeah, it's multiple choice, yeah. A, B <sighs> or C. Plucky West Indians almost pulling off a, a shock victory. You know, were England lucky to escape here? How do you how do you assess it? None of the above. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Could you no. justify that answer, perhaps? Yeah, I'll try. Uh, how many lines have I got on the, on the, the answer paper? <laughs> I'll give you, I'll let you know that in brackets it says marks three. Three so that's, marks. That's so I need to make three points, basically. Yeah. So it's not an essay question. This, yeah, okay, cool. It's slightly, it's not just a one-word answer. 
Okay. That was good. It's important to know that. No, I mean, I th- it was pretty much as expected. It was, I'd, I'd say, quite an unremarkable test, wasn't it? It, re- it really annoyed me. Cause every time I see... Well, two things annoyed me about watching this test. One, every time I paused the play, the action... <laughs> I returned to see a, <laughs> the wicket had gone down. So I basically saw very few wickets live. It's funny you should say that because I think I probably saw, I watched quite a lot of this test match and I think I probably saw two or three yeah, wickets I down. And I just didn't see any. Every time I left the room or just flicked over to the tennis for two minutes when I came back a wicket had fallen. And the other thing that annoyed me is that every time I watched bat, every time uh, that that wasn't happening, I'd sit down and I'd sort of get like 25 minutes, 30 minutes in and then without fail, they'd flash up balls since last boundary. <laughs> <laughs> so I basically, I only saw the um, interesting passages of play. I think, again, it's funny you should say that. I think I actually tweeted about this, that uh, I got in from work and watched like an hour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it did the ball since last boundary thing, like 75. And the 76th ball was the ball before I started watching. So it was literally, <laughs> I watched 75 yeah. balls with no boundaries That's and no wickets. So maybe, yeah, maybe my, you know, my view on the match was a bit skewed by that. But uh, yeah, you know, it was it was an entertaining enough test match. I thought West Indies performed pretty much as we expected. You know, they're better. As we expected, perhaps. That they performed as the two of us yeah, expected, not, talking last week, but not maybe the wider yeah. media who expected them to just fold like a, fold like hot laundry. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely. They, they, uh, you know, they put up a decent fight. Chanderpool again was uh, yeah, almost immovable, but not quite. He was literally not quite uh, unmovable. And England performed pretty much as we expected. I think again, obviously, much better and much more comfortable than they were in the Middle East. Maybe not quite. Yeah, you know, maybe there were points in the match where you'd have thought, oh, England are going to go and win this very comfortably, and West Indies checked them a bit. But yeah, generally speaking, good balance test. I think West Indies did play really well. And as I alluded to there, maybe much better than uh, perhaps the the, the general media were expecting them to. We've seen in the past that when uh, West Indies come to England, that all that happens is that the commentators and the pundits spend their time just banging on about how sad it is that they're not the team that they once were. And And literally one day into this test series and it was already happening. Well, I mean, they got Thursday, day one of the test match. You know, the whole build-up was dominated by Brian Lara just talking about how sad it was. (laughs) But they all do it. And it's it's particularly the the English um, media that are culpable of this. And both of them is really bad for it. Agnew... Gower is actually particularly bad for it. They just go, you know, after after like watching, you know, two West Indian wickets go down <laughs> in the first like half an hour, they're just like, oh, well, what would Gordon Greenwich make of this, honestly? And then there'd be, it would cut to a shot of Viv Richards in the stands and it'd be like, what must he think about it all? And it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's in the commentary box, but it's also in the print media, article after article written about this. And, you know, oh, the West Indies have fallen from the heights. And these journalists, they're all just filing articles that they had written already prior to the series in fact they're probably filing the same articles that they wrote in 2007 and 2009 lamenting the demise of this team and as it turned out it was entirely premature I think because as we said last week we expected the West Indies to put up much more of a fight than they had done in 2007 or 2009 and they did I think they they ran England pretty close much closer than India did at the same ground last summer so these articles don't really have any truth in them but even if they did have truth in them they still wouldn't be worth the paper that they're printed on It's only West Indies that have to put up with this sort of talk 
And I don't really understand why that's the case. Can you imagine if when like Andrew Strauss was going through that terrible run of form that every time he got out, that the commentators were going, it's such a shame, you know, for a country that's produced boycott and cowdery and gooch that he should be getting out for seven. It is totally useless commentary. And it's exactly the same with the West Indies. It's incredibly patronising and fantastically unhelpful. You know, I think it is important that the West Indians don't forget this history that they have. You know, the fire in Babylon stuff. That is very inspiring. And you would hope that this generation of players would be inspired yeah, by Yeah, I, th- I think as well, it's an important, you know, they need that that, that history. And if they're going to, uh, you know, rekindle some kind of fire uh, in young people in, in cricket in the West Indies, that's something they can use there. That they, that they can use that as a, as a, a springboard yeah. to, to, to improve them. But... Just saying, oh, it's just But yeah, and assessing the actual on-pitch performance. Yeah, it's this obsession with comparing Fidel Edwards to Malcolm Marshall. It's totally ridiculous, I think. This team should be judged on its own merits. And this was a decent performance. You know, as I say, I don't think we should patronise them. They're not going to be satisfied with any kind of defeat, and nor should they be. But they did give England a real run for their money here, which is no easy task. England are a very good team. They're the best team in the world. And had West Indies managed maybe 70 or 100 more runs in the first innings, this could have been a very different game. They, they could well have won this game. Well, they should have got more runs in the first innings, shouldn't they? I think uh, kind of a key moment was that Bravo run out, uh, which is just a bit, of a bit of a shambles, isn't it? At that point, yeah, that, that was easily a partnership that could have gone on to, uh, to bear yeah, easily another 50, 100 runs. So it would have been a much more competitive start. And if England had been chasing 240, 250, and at that point it had been 57 for four, that could have been really, really tough. So, you know, it, it's all ifs and buts, as Navjot Singh Sidhu says, if ifs and buts were pots and pans, then there would be no tinkers. But, yeah, I think people were very, very hasty to start harping on about how uh, how depressing it must be for Kirtley Ambrose. Uh, most importantly, I think this West Indian team look like they want to be there. They look like they're up for it, which probably wasn't the case on the last couple of tours. And I think a lot of the credit for that has to go to Darren Sammy. You know, it's a wonder that the guy can stand up. He's got so many people on his back. But this team is his team, I think. Obviously, West Indies would have been absolutely nowhere in this match without Shivnarayan Chandapal, uh, who I think must be one of the only players in the world who actually enjoys leaving the ball. He loves it. He, he Beaming when he leaves it. He yeah. can't get enough of it. He may not be pretty to watch, Chandapal, but my word, does he get the job done. How many times will England get him out in this series, do you reckon? Three, maybe. <laughs> I mean, you can't see him getting out twice in a match, can you, at this point, at this stage. It's very difficult and it's quite frustrating. I mean, that... He was largely responsible for some of the more uh, laborious passages of play. But then again, you, know, you, you can't argue with it. He does what he does and he does it very well. It's amazing that he is so difficult to get out because he has a technique that you would imagine would be would not be uh, very conducive to that sort of crease occupation because of you know the trigger movement where he walks across. You expect and him to be kind of nicking happy Gilmore. Take that first step forward and then just swing, using that momentum to uh, to put, through, put the bat through the ball. But he takes that step across and then he just leaves it alone. Well, he's now averaging more than 70 against England in England which is which is impressive stuff and and perhaps explains why as English fans we have such huge admiration and respect and fear for Chandapool um, which isn't necessarily the case in Australia Chandapool only averages 30 against Australia and I think the reverse is kind of true with someone like VVS Latchman who's never made 100 against England but has several double centuries against Australia but yeah in English eyes definitely Chandapool I think is one of the true greats uh, and he's proving that um, in this series so far. What did you make of the rest of the West Indian team? Should they have played a spinner, maybe? Would that have helped them out? Yeah, I don't know. They look reasonably well set up. Uh, you know, Roach bowled very well in that uh, that second innings, particularly the difficult session, as it always is, 
uh, right at the end of the day. Batting-wise, Kieran Powell and Kirk Edwards didn't really contribute, did they? It's not so much a soft underbelly as like a kind of soft exoskeleton, isn't it? Really? It's the underbelly that's tough in the West Indies side. <laughs> Sammy said after the game that Shillingford was having trouble adjusting to the temperature in England, that his fingers were too cold and he was struggling to bowl as a result. But, you know, the weather's uh, really improved this week. It's glorious. It's pretty hot now in England, so uh, you know, it could be a, an, a, an entirely different test match. You have um, to find a new excuse if you want to get out of Trent Bridge. What about England? How did you assess their performance? First game back in home conditions after a, a difficult winter. I don't know if you're aware that they, they had their problems yeah, this winter. Happened, didn't it, in the winter. Uh, was this back to business as usual or did you detect any any problems there? Uh, no, I didn't really detect any problems, did you? Well, you, lo- you went looking, presumably. Yeah, I went looking yeah, for exactly. problems, yeah. Uh, yeah, sniffing I mean, around for them business as usual is probably the right way to go but it wasn't it was unspectacular it's kind of the right people performed Strauss got runs which is fairly obviously what he needed that was the one thing he was lacking at that moment yeah it was fairly it was fairly routine wasn't it well everybody chipped in really didn't they all virtually everybody Trot, Bell, Cook all got half centuries Anderson and Swan took key wickets Bresen I think only got one wicket in the yeah, game but he, wicket, he actually yeah. bowled pretty well I thought and and Anderson could and should have had a lot more uh, wickets than he, than he actually got he bowled an absolutely magnificent delivery to get rid of um, Kyron Powell on the first morning but as you say the, the most notable and most welcome uh, performance came from Andrew Strauss who stormed back to form with a, a hundred in the first innings? His first Test century since December 2010, which itself was his first Test century since July 2009. He so, is the new Paul Collingwood, isn't he? So He's just well, going to keep scoring runs when he absolutely has to, <laughs> and not a moment before. And not before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, he was certainly under some pressure coming into this game. Maybe not quite in last chance, Celine, drinking with Tony. Yeah, but, it's pretty uh, empty in here at the moment, actually. There's not, <laughs> not too many people. But but under pressure, the roar that he let out when he went to his 100 perhaps suggested that he has been feeling that pressure. How significant a moment do you think that might turn out to be? Is this a case that, you know, he's now secured his place, he's stabilised the dressing room, he's got some confidence ahead of the South Africa series, or is that you know going too far off the back of one innings? Has he got to back it up yeah, now? Yeah, all of the above, I think. It's been, it must be very difficult because there was a, quite a long period of time where he had no opportunity to go out and score test runs because, quite simply, England didn't have a match. Uh, <laughs> Great analysis. And, and the other... Wonderful piece of analysis is that, you know, there's really no better time to score those runs than the very first opportunity he got. <laughs> so uh, in that sense, perfect for him. But uh, whether or not, you know, whether or not he'll go on a score, you know, a bag full this summer, is anybody's guess. I'd say probably, you know, I don't think he's going to have a classic summer, but it'd be nice to see him maybe get another another century or two, maybe at least one more this summer, not leave it till, you know, 18 months time <laughs> yeah. to get his next one. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's now going to go on and, and be in great form all summer, but you'd say you'd rather he'd scored the 100 than that he hasn't. So yeah, it's, it's, it's got to be good from that point. It's not to come with any kind of insightful punditry <laughs> about that. But uh, I think, well, most encouraging for me was the way in which he played. This, you know, this wasn't a scratchy, lucky Paul Collingwood scrap of a knock, was it? It was quite a fluent, attractive innings, 20 boundaries. He got very nervous and, and went into a shell when he got into the 90s. But before that, he played really, really well, I thought. So yeah, it was, it was a great innings. And from an English perspective, it is just brilliant, I think, to see Strauss scoring runs the standing ovation that he received from Lords uh, was incredibly long the English public do love him Stuart Broad won the man of the match award the first English bowler to take 10 wickets at Lords since 1978 amazing I'm not necessarily a big one for 
pointless historical stats like that but that particular one is quite impressive i think because england have played a lot of test matches at lords since 1978 he's up to third in the world rankings now how impressed were you with with his performance was it unexpected yeah. or expected well I, yeah i pegged him as my man of the series before you know before the play started uh, i think i've already been vindicated well I'm you've really... been banging on about it all week uh over text message <laughs> you know i just don't think it'll be caught now although Anderson will probably go and take you know 15 wickets at trent bridge so yeah i think in the end this was a, a pretty solid display from england there were some wobbly moments maybe uh, and west indies came back into the game very well it looked like it was gonna be incredibly comfortable for england after day two but on balance england were you know, were very much the better side and deserved the victory and i think it was a, a real reward for four days of, of patience and toil and, and control so the teams now decamp to nottingham for the second test which starts on friday can you see a way back for west indies in this series did you see enough from them in that first game that you think they they could yet level the scores at trent bridge i went with 2-0 as my prediction at the start of the series and it doesn't look like that rain's gonna come so barbecue summer mate but that's what they're all saying don't don't say it too quickly you'd think maybe now three results i think at this point difficult to look past three nil to england my uh, prediction of course yeah, I'm, I'm very smug about it with two games still to go. <laughs> no, Trent Bridge is notoriously a swingy pitch, isn't it? A swing, it's a swingy condition. There's all there. the cats love it. The swinging, the, yeah, they the, love the, it. You know, the cool cats. It's a time warp up there. It's like going back to the sixties, isn't it? So you, you've got to expect uh, the England bowling attack to put West Indies under as much, if not much more pressure. Well, yeah, there's two ways of looking at it because you could you could say that um, West Indies are only going to get better as the series goes on and as they get more accustomed to the conditions and also as the weather improves. But the other way of looking at it is that, you know, that Lord's pitch is fantastic for batting and, and it could be the case that, you know, Trent Bridge and Edgbaston, they're going to find much more difficult um, against this English attack. But there's, I mean, there's nothing to say, you know, Roach might, you know, he was bowling very quick and he was getting getting his speed uh, speed up. He could easily have a, a very good spell and, uh, and and that could change a game. So, well, that's why we love this sport, isn't it? Because <laughs> <laughs> anything can happen. Absolutely, Tone. Absolutely. <laughs> The story of our cricketing comeback continues to keep the global public quite literally on the edge of their seats, Tone. It's, uh, uh, it's been quite a ride already. There's been a lot of interest from, uh, from Universal, from Warner Brothers, you know, clamouring to see if they, can get, you know, if they can get their hands on the movie rights. I'd quite like to see it as a Pixar film, I think. <laughs> like Wally. <laughs> <laughs> just Wally. The poster would just be a picture of your face and you. in a Pixar related way, and it would just say Wally. Well, we, I mean, we got another W on the board uh, on, uh, you know, last week. Three wins in a row now, top we're, of the table. We're three for three. Yeah. We are flying. Well, just to recap for people who may be unfamiliar with the podcast, uh, myself and Tony, having not played cricket for seven years, have returned to the cricket field this season, playing for a, uh, for a team in the Guernsey Evening League called Kobo Legends. And yeah, we, we did indeed register our third victory on the bounce. We're very much dominating the division. However, you'd have to say that it's not had an enormous amount to do with us. <coughs> yeah, so one of the opposition last week described us as the Man City of the evening leagues. I think alluding to the fact that sort of our parent team, the Kobo, well, you know, Kobo, the club Kobo, had won the, the first division. They're very much a big team in Guernsey. Some of the players in our team had been assembled, not, not a huge cost, obviously, but there were, you know, there were some decent names, some good cricketers there. Which I don't know what that makes us then. 
probably like the sort of, you're like the Hargreaves, I'm like the savage of... <laughs> Hargreaves isn't a bad shot because he's had all kinds of knee yeah. trouble, hasn't he? Winning, but we're not really contributing. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll, we'll collect our winner's medals at the end of the season and, and jump about with the rest of the, uh, of the, rest of the lads. But, um, but yeah, it wasn't a great day at the office for either of us last week, was it? I bowled some total garbage in my two-over spell. I, I think I opened with three consecutive wides, which then the trouble with that is that... <laughs> <laughs> is that the, the fielders get increasingly less enthusiastic. <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> As each wide comes down, run up and bowl the first wide and people are like, okay, Adam, put it out of your head. Let's go. Here we go. Uh, second wide. Okay, Adam, let's go now. Come on. Third wide, total silence. Just absolute silence. Uh, which is doesn't do wonders for your confidence when you just bowled three wides in a row. It was yeah, it was not uh, not particularly special. They it were was, big I mean, wides. It was, well. it was Steve Harmison esque, wasn't it? <laughs> they were big wides. But hey, you know that happens to the best of us. Actually, probably the least helpful thing that people say in the field, and I think someone did say this um, after I bowled the three wides. The least helpful bit of encouragement is a uh, line and length, Adam. Line and length. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It must be said uh, at this point though that the tracks that we're playing on aren't particularly conducive to the game of cricket, are they? Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that obviously we're not going to be playing on world class meticulously prepared grass tracks but uh these are kind of your your standard artificial mats but they're pretty old they must have been there you know they've been there for 20 odd years but it's not just that it's the the the, the pitch is laid at an angle yeah but also but yeah the whole thing the whole setup is very difficult to bat or bowl on (laughs) so yeah you know if there's even a little bit of drizzle the, the mat gets a little bit wet bit damp and uh, the ball just doesn't bounce then at that point so I got out to an absolute rotter of ball from some <laughs> spotty kid <laughs> how many runs did you make uh, before that I think I made one this week I think I? you did make one yeah, yeah. it was a decent enough shot you know bottom edge down for, for a single down to uh, down to <laughs> fine leg but I was, uh, yeah, I was looking good he was, was a left arm spinner wasn't he that kid it's, it's the classic Kerr weakness against left arm spinners know, every time they come on that's, oh, it's, it's a it's, mental frailty that you have against left arm spinners and also every other type of bowler <laughs> Left arm, right arm, yeah. I mean, that's all you read about in the local press at the moment is uh, opinion pieces about my failure to deal with left arm Talk radio, talk radio. (laughs) Um, I posted a picture of you on Facebook of you coming off the pitch after you'd um, scored that that one. And it's probably worth pointing out that you were genuinely annoyed with me about that (laughs) as you came off. You were fuming. Absolutely it was a real, no, it was a kind of a window into the you know the world of a, a proper international batsman who, <laughs> when they get out, you know, some annoying cameraman will run out and follow them in from the, you know, 
just sit the camera right in their face. That was what is. I mean, you didn't intrude in my personal space, but it's like, so I've got, I was like, what's he doing? It must have been I, slightly depressing. It's you're, pretty you're obvious. coming off all disappointed and you just see me there with my eyes Grinning. Yeah. With a massive grin on my face. The, the guys on Facebook will love this one. I was quite annoyed on uh, after the match because you sort of shot off, just ran off. I stayed back to help everyone, uh, you know, tidy up all the, all the equipment and stuff, put it back in the shed. So we, we were we were both attending a uh, our friend's birthday meal that night. So I got there maybe twenty minutes later than you. I was greeted with the co- everyone else was there. I was greeted with a chorus of like boos and like, cheers <laughs> about my uh, my my moderately good score that I made on <laughs> that I made in the match. And you'd failed to mention your own performance. This <laughs> is true. And it, it riled me true. somewhat. Yeah, I yeah. think you got you were furious. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, you assumed that I'd like raced in and been like, "You'll never guess what Tone got." But people, exactly what you did. But people just asked me. People are desperate to know how many runs he made, and I just I told them the truth. And you know, I'm I'm not responsible for what they then do with that information, nor am I responsible for t- for volunteering the information of how poorly I'd performed. <laughs> right, this is the moment, Tone, the champagne moment that everyone's been waiting for. It's time to announce the winner of the World Cricket Show competition. Regular listeners are aware that we've been running a competition over the last few weeks with the DVD of Fire in Babylon, which we just mentioned before, up for grabs. Uh, We've been inviting people to send in their ideas for rides to go into the cricket theme park that we've been designing. We've basically been getting you guys to come up with ideas that we're then going to steal um, and sell to the ICC for, for use in our cricket theme park for cricket world in Dubai I'd like to say at this point that if Disney's Imagineers are listening that I'm ready to talk figures so we've had lots of entries have you been impressed with the quality tone or yeah, not? I do no? feel I feel like yeah, this is another competition that I'd love to be entering You know, I think my entries are right up there <laughs> he, did, he did say to me when I said uh, oh Tone we need to decide who's going to win this competition now uh, and he said oh, my entry's not in, in the mix there well, I was like mean, well, we do have no rule. obviously not you Obviously, know. you can't win it. We have a rule in the World Creek Show studio that, uh, you know, members of the World Creek Show staff, their families, uh, and their friends aren't allowed to enter the competitions, <laughs> which I think is perfectly fair and very transparent. Here are some of the best. This one's coming from Toby Button, who suggests the Bob Willis rocket. He says, not sure exactly what it would be, some sort of roller coaster, probably. But as you're going around, you just have Bob Willis spitting things like pathetic. And that was the worst decision I've ever seen in all my years in cricket into your specially oh, designed headphones. That tickled me. Would it be kind of, uh, would it be, you know, one of those kind of interactive 4D, is it 4D, is that what they call them? Well, yeah, would there be like spittle sort of sprayed onto you <laughs> and stuff and like hot air blown at you just to kind of embellish the the, the sensation of having Bob Willis give you a rocket? <laughs> I'm just imagining that, you know, you're cranking your way up to the top on this roller coaster getting to the initial drop and he's just going, Russell Tiffin must be the worst umpire <laughs> I've ever seen. And then just as you go over the top, you just go, you just hear this, well, that's a good question, Charles. <laughs> and he plunged down yeah. that drop. Diana Patterson. Uh, has two suggestions. She says, uh, Jeffrey Boycott's mother's penny jump with stick of rhubarb <laughs> and the body line dodgem cars. I quite like that one. I you do can, like that. You can have a bolly line version as well with a, an animatronic Harbhajan Singh just line, standing good. at the side. Yeah. Uh, you remember bolly line from the 2008 India tour to Australia? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I remember that. You know what I mean by Australia, thing? I've heard about that place. Uh, no, I do like that. What would be, I guess the Dodgem cast would be kind of cricket ball shaped. Not necessarily round, but they'd be they'd be themed to look like cricket balls, wouldn't they? 
And the whole thing would be in black and white. Oh, for Bodyline. Yeah, yeah, not for Bodyline. Come on, um, keep up. <laughs> Sorry. Um, on the theme no, of... It's good. I like the way the whole, you know, we're covering a lot of the bases here. A lot of the classic rides are being included. It's a good balance to the theme park. They're not, it's not all roller coasters. Well, there's going to side shows. I've got another Dodgers <laughs> entry now. Uh, James Travers suggests the bumper tendal cars, which is quite good. good uh, he also suggests Merry Go Round the Wicket uh, and Nando's. I think he's just saying that you should have a Nando's in the park. <laughs> which are, popular with me. Yeah, which I think. Yeah. Uh, Mark Rickards uh, has has this idea. More of a stool than a ride, but that's okay. Again, as you say, we're, we're coming up with a sort of complete theme park here. He says, the Levertron. How many bulls outside off stump can you leave in a row? An excitement machine, he says. <laughs> You'd imagine Shivan Ryan Chandapur would be pretty good at <laughs> He'd that. He'd be unstoppable. He'd get all the tokens, wouldn't he? He'd, get, he'd you'd just see Shiv like, wandering around with enormous cuddly toys. He's collected on that. <laughs> just a goldfish in a bag. <laughs> Bobby Ellis, he's got this idea. The Shane Warne Sidewinder. He says, a crazy roller coaster that has a tanning salon and a plastic surgeon in the gift shop. I like that he's thinking beyond just the ride. Disney would approve of that very much, you know. That the ride is kind of unimportant. That'll sort itself out. Get the ride out of the way. What's the shop gonna be? What's gonna be in there? I quite like the idea of having a plastic surgeon just doing <laughs> just doing surgery in the shop. Live on stage. But the winner is Jim Harrison with this one. Hi guys, he said in his email. Thought I might try my luck with your competition. How about Monty's Revenge? If you don't know, there's a roller coaster called Montezuma's Revenge at Knott's Berry Farm near where I am here in good old California. The Panazar version would be awesome fun. There sure would be a lot of drops. Got it all, isn't it, that? That's good. That's good. That's, we've been, that's a to, good we've been to Knott's Berry, haven't we? Well, that's see, I, I well, presume he that. doesn't know that, but that, you know, that, that very much ingratiated himself yeah. there because the two of us have literally been to Knott's Berry Farm yeah, and been fun. on that ride. Montezuma's Revenge. And yeah, well, cracking pun. There sure would be a lot of drops. And uh, anything with Panazar in is a surefire success. Corporate would probably approve of that, right? Corporate. And, and again, you do a good line in Panazar masks uh, yeah, in the shop. Ideal. All the theme park uh, guests would be, visitors would have Monty masks on and then just be Shiv just walking around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with that's a goldfish. <laughs> There's the only two... Two people, you, that's what you need. So there you go. Congratulations to you, Jim. We will get in touch and, and make sure that we get Fire in Babylon out your way as soon as possible. Uh, and yeah, thanks to everyone who took part. Has this been a success, this competition for I you, Tony? So. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Another competition soon, maybe towards the end of the summer. Well, don't make promises that we can't well, keep. I'm going to make them. The side notes now, on which we discuss some of the more offbeat stories of the Cricketing Week. I'll kick off uh, with something from The Guardian. Kevin Peterson takes swipe at Nick Knight's punditry. Kevin Peterson appears to have strong feelings about a member of the Sky Sports team. In November, during a swipe at the punditry skills of Dominic Cork and Kepler Vessels on Twitter, Peterson concluded that they were both as bad as Nick Knight. KP was at it again on Friday, tweeting... Can somebody please tell me how Nick Knight has worked his way into the commentary box for the home tests? Ridiculous! That's all in caps. Look out for a frosty interview soon, say The Guardian. What do you make of that tone? What are your feelings on Nick Knight? Do you think Peter's being harsh there? <laughs> oh, I don't mind Nick Knight, personally. It is quite a kind of funny thing, isn't it? That the kind of pro or ex-pro who makes it into the commentary box or who makes it as a pundit. Because, you know, some of them you'd expect, some of them you don't. And you know, I don't know whether Peterson's going to pursue that when he finishes, when he hangs up his switch hit. So do you think that Peterson is annoyed with Nick Knight because he doesn't think he was a good enough player to justify being in the commentary box? Well, maybe it's, it might or, be... 
because he just doesn't like him. He just doesn't like him, and he just doesn't. Yeah, think he's a very good pundit. Well, Nick Knight also says that he doesn't think Peterson should be in the one day team, <laughs> so that might have something to do with it. I don't know. <laughs> I did catch Nick Knight saying <laughs> after. Uh, after Bearstay got out of where it was 15, he was like, yeah, Bearstay's a class act. I think he's proved it there. He looks <laughs> like he belongs at this level, you know, after, yeah. after 15 runs. <laughs> but I, I thought I'd do a little bit of uh, investigative journalism here, you know, try and find out what the, the general feeling is on Nick Knight. So I went onto Twitter, on, on that Twitter that people talk about, search for hashtag Nick Knight. Here are three examples of what people were saying. Now, I promise I haven't cherry-picked these out. This is a, this is a, a pretty uh, good sample of the overwhelming majority <laughs> of what people were saying. Shut up, Nick Knight. Can't, <laughs> can't watch the cricket when Nick Knight is on. Nick Knight is making me want to go and revise. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know if he's Poor enormously popular on the Twitter community. Yeah, I feel really sorry for the guy. I don't know. I like Nick Knight. <laughs> I like Nick Knight. I don't think he's I like a very his good name. I like I the name Nick Knight. <laughs> I'm not sure he's a very good pundit. I think he's a nice guy. My my feelings on him are almost the exact opposite to my feelings on Gary Neville in the the Sky Football team. Like when Neville came in, I was like, oh god, Gary Neville, he's going to be awful. And now I think he's quite good. Whereas Nick Knight, it was literally the opposite yeah. of that. But Nick Knight doesn't have the kind of Gary Neville unbelievable thing that, yeah. uh, oh. that he's... Unbelievable! <laughs> <laughs> My Gary Neville impression <laughs> is getting more and more like George Formby. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm cleaning windows. Yeah, I, mean, I think what you'll find, though, is if you, if you take to twitter or anything everyone just hates everyone really that's why i'd implore listeners not to do hashtag world cricket trip, hashtag <laughs> yeah. adam bayfield because uh could be similarly but I, I, biting I, I don't know what I, yeah, I don't know what people's kind of mindset is or yeah there are some people we talk to and they literally they hate everyone it's mostly older people so i don't, I don't know if i'm just generalizing here god uh, the older generation older am i people. right like you sit down with with an, you know someone watch the cricket and they just hate every pundit or they hate every <laughs> everything they've got to say they're like no nah, just disagree with I mean that's that's what we made it, you know what we do most weeks isn't it? but there we go yeah and then in turn then people hate us which is why we're getting all these direct messages on Twitter I don't know there's a lot of rumours going around apparently um, so, <laughs> but yeah I feel sorry for Nick Knight I do think he's a bit of an idiot but I also feel sorry for him and you know I'm not sure Peterson is in any kind of position uh, to, to be <laughs> well, criticising people my favourite bit of punditry from this test was his when they were discussing the Sky team were discussing uh, what it would be like to bring Gail back into the team and, and how you know, a dressing room needs when, you, when you've got a dressing room that includes those kind of big big characters and those legends he was saying that you know, a lot of the younger players will uh, will be hanging on every word that they say particularly in the bar afterwards and he same was saying you know, when it gets to like 12 o'clock at night you know, and you're in the bar and they're, uh, they're hanging on they're hanging on the word he's like you know you need uh, you need players to you know to to call up the big, you know, the big guys, the the real stars, you know, call them up on things they say. You know, don't let it just slide. Uh, yeah, don't let them be players. too influential. Yeah, lead he's, them, like, he's, like, he, straight. he's like, I can't remember the other players you mentioned, but he's like, yeah, you like, you need a Hussein. You know, when it gets to twelve <laughs> o'clock, you need a, you need a Hussein to go and say, you know, to call him up on something. <laughs> you need someone like a NASA Hussein to just put the arm round. <laughs> Essentially, what he said, what he was trying to say was, you need someone to be a party pooper. You know, he, I just imagine now Hussein's role in the, you know, the England team. Flintoff was out. You know, Flintoff. <laughs> having a good time in the evening and Hussein would come and just be like look Freddy you know, what the F are you doing you need, <laughs> you need a NASA Hussein to tell them all to go to bed <laughs> yeah yeah like Do you think he was just sort of trying to advertise his services as someone that could <laughs> could go around and just almost be a kind of uh, a freelance party pooper that he could go around in the West Indies dressing room, just hang out. And then when Chris Gale started mouthing off, he could just go, all right, Chris, all get right, to Chris, bed, yeah. go on. It's like, leave it. Um, I do like his saying. I think he's oh, relentless. His saying is brilliant. Uh, he's just 
relentlessly kind of pragmatic and so isn't he he's just he's no nonsense and uh, but one thing that i noticed uh, in this test is something that i've always noticed that he does but i'd kind of forgotten about is that he uses this expression all the time he's a big unit kevin peterson <laughs> a big big unit <laughs> which yeah. i really like he's a big unit andrew flintoff i do have one other side note for you uh which comes from crick info michael clark goes rallying australia's captain michael clark known for his cover drive is going to try driving him a different kind when he makes an appearance in next week's International Rally of Queensland. Clark will compete in two stages of the race between May the 25th and the 27th. The rally has attracted some of the biggest names in the sport, including former World Rally Championship stars Alistair McRae and Chris Atkinson. Clark will drive alongside Mark Stacey, who has competed at international level for two decades and said he was looking forward to racing against the best. <clears throat> It's pretty well known that I have a passion for driving, but a part of me has always wondered what it would be like to go up against the best in the business, Clark said. There's no doubt that rally driving is one of the most exhilarating sports around, and as someone who puts my heart into everything I do, this is a great opportunity to mix it with some of the world's best drivers. What do you make of that, Tone? Clark obviously thinks that people know and care more about him than they do when he says it's pretty well known that I have a passion for driving. No, I didn't know that. Is it? I must say. Is it? It's a rich seam, isn't it, at the moment? Cricket players turning their hands to unexpected things. We've had uh, you know, Hollyoak doing his cage fighting and now we've got Clark doing his rally driving. The list goes on, doesn't the it? The list is endless. <laughs> the list goes on. <laughs> Other things. <laughs> so, Tony Kerr, touch rugby. Yeah, yeah, exactly, what next? Right, well, that's about it for the World Cricket Show this week, I reckon. You had a good one, Tone? I've enjoyed it. There's more next week, isn't there? Yeah, loads more next week. Uh, we didn't get around to talking about the IPL, but it concludes on Sunday, doesn't it? So We'll, we'll be there. Not be a, there, but we will we'll be not there be watching there. it. Uh, we'll be there on the sofa watching it. So, uh, so we'll have a lot to talk about uh, next week. Is next week going to be our Diamond Jubilee special, would you say? You'd think it would have to be. We, don't, you know, we always like to tie into cultural and sort of national holiday events and sort of royal events and, yeah. and you almost got uh, yourself arrested for treason last year uh with the quote if the queen dies i could get into that <laughs> was what you said so uh watch out for more controversial statements from tony kerr next week i've got some special guests lined up princess beatrice jenny bond is going to be in the jenny studio so. bond Bond's here. Bond, Bondy. Bondy's coming down. <laughs> Shelly Bond. Um, what about Nick Witchell? Is he around? <laughs> I find the whole like raw correspondent thing very boring. What a boring job that must be. Well, you, be careful what you say to him because Jenny Bond's going to oh, be know. listening to this before. I'm just getting it out before next week. <laughs> uh, you got any big plans for the rest of the week? Going to make it four, uh, four out of four in the evening league division four. <laughs> so lots of four is the magic number this week. Could that be how many runs he scored? It would be a top score for you this season. It would be, uh, yeah, it would be, it'd be a new high. It would take you within one of double figures for the campaign. I'm going to make runs this week. I literally will make runs. There was some talk of you taking over the captaincy reins uh, this week because our, our regular captain is, is going to miss the game. The thing is, I mean, it is the most accurate sort of comparison. I was a Darren Sammy back in my day. Yeah, can't bat, can't bowl. But he's a fabulous man manager. But, well, yeah. is great at getting the baguettes in. Uh, <laughs> Grenade's great at getting results. the exact moment results to pull out the chicken tikka baguette. But an arm around the shoulder. Here's your tune of me. Exactly. But I'm going to, I'm going to miss the game as well. Uh, well yeah. Because of my foot injury. injury. Yeah, well, maybe I can just come down and, and lend my sort of man management skills. We come down and score. That's what you usually do. <laughs> <laughs> Where the captain last week was like, when we came off the field after bowling, was like, right, 
can, Adam, can you score? Can you score for us, please? And I was like, Oh, what you want me to open? No. Can you can you get the scorebook out and do the scoring? And that's basically how I spent my childhood was just scoring cricket games. I really don't like it. <laughs> it's, it's really it's pretty annoying. I don't like it because I I can't I don't concentrate for that long. Anyway, if you like the show, uh, then why not drag yourself onto the World Wide Web and get a bit more involved in it? Uh, maybe the best thing to do is to go to the iTunes store uh, and write a review for us there. We really appreciate all of those, don't we, Tone? Um, once you've done that, you can also log on to our online website at cricketshow.net uh, where you'll find links to everything else. And also, very soon, you'll be able to buy T-shirts as we said earlier, we've made significant advances on the t-shirt front this week. They are on the way, and by next week, we should be ready to go. So start moving your funds around, you know, get some liquidity together. I think we might. We should open a store, a World Creek Show store, because we've got a lot of merch. I think we should do uh, a Planet Hollywood-style restaurant at some point, <laughs> we'll see. It'd be quite good. Yeah. Maybe that's the next competition cricket dishes i don't want to say too much about that though because then people will expect it and they'll have to buy another dvd off the internet. <laughs> um, so. give us time to save up <laughs> so uh so yeah go to cricketshow.net and uh see what's going on there you can also <laughs> it's for... it doesn't change much today but you know, check in every once in a while check, check in, in several times a day um, you can also uh find... the live element of the website is definitely what i'm most pleased with in we my should... life <laughs> it's a real we should also do some uh live you know live chats and stuff sure. <laughs> some q a sessions yeah on there um like us on facebook as well facebook.com slash click we post photos up there don't we of uh of stuff that's going on in our lives what, on the facebook on the cricket field yeah on the, on the facebook well every time you post a photo of me uh either walk is normally when i'm walking in or out from uh, the you know the crease you always use the word swagger i'm yeah, always swaggering sw- well that is what you're doing swaggering I think, yeah i think you're uh you, you're kind of leading people to believe i'm swaggering more than i actually am i think <laughs> it's more of a kind of it's a kind of nervous trot so yeah we put the photos up there and sometimes videos too Posted a video of, uh, of Michael Lund. That went viral, week, didn't, didn't we? it, this week? <laughs> <laughs> People went bonkers for that. Your ultimate hero, of yeah. course, Michael Lum. And now, apparently, you are his ultimate hero. Fan of the World Cricket Show, Michael Lum. Michael Lum quite literally loves the World Cricket Show. Uh, you can also tweet all over us at twitter.com slash cricket show. Send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. Do that if you'd like some free World Cricket Show stickers, which we send everywhere in the world. Put them up around the place. Uh, and do remember to take pictures of them on notable landmarks in your neighbourhood uh, and send those pictures into us. Either uh, put them on the Facebook page yourself or if you're not comfortable doing that, which I know some people aren't, if they've put a sticker on you know, the Statue of Liberty or something. The Queen's face. The Queen's face. Then you can email them to us and we'll put them up. So yeah, that's about it, I think. Have a great week, everybody. I know Tony will. It's the beer festival in Herm this weekend, isn't it? So, isn't it so just, yeah. here we go again. <sighs> It's kind of a weekend off, but it's looking unlikely now. Where the sun's come out, people just won't let you. They demand it. They literally demand it. They it's demand annoying. the antics. It's annoying. See you next week, everybody.
But there were about four covers, but I can't remember any of the others. All I can was Alex, just simply bland. Just wearing this we go. all the time. Mm, a bit bland for me. But. <laughs> Badly drawn, boy. Might be a case for playing Graham Onions at Trent Bridge if it is going to be swinging like the 60s ahead of Tim Bresnan, maybe. There's an option. Have you come up with any new Onions puns this week? Any new wait for this? Punions? I've been, uh, I've been working on that all week, no. as you can tell. I've been put off by my bunions. <laughs> <laughs> they're, really play, they're, really, they're really playing up. I haven't got, I haven't got bunions. That's a brand new late. <laughs> Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 